Good morning, everybody. Let's stand and worship. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet, and we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross. Then he rose 
worship this morning because there is joy in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm Doug Walter, the student pastor here at First Church, and uh, I'm excited to see all of you here today with us, whether you're here in person or joining us online. A uh, special welcome to you, and uh, thank you for joining us in our worship of the Lord this morning. Uh, I do want to encourage you, whether uh, you're a, a first-timer or a regular attender, to take a connection card. For those that are here, it's in the pew. We want to encourage you to fill that out, and uh, you can just leave that on the pew, and we'll collect that later, but we use that kind of a way to connect uh, with you. You can put your prayer requests on there. Uh, if you're at home, uh, you can uh, use the digital bulletin, uh, and there's a digital connection card there, and you can uh, also uh, find it on the website. And so we encourage you to do that, but again, uh, welcome uh, to this place. Uh, do have just a, a, a brief, uh, few brief announcements. Um, one of them is that uh, coming up uh, in two weeks, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, family uh, 
pictures here at the church. And so we, uh, we're excited about that. We want to update uh, some things uh, in, in the Breeze app, uh, which is one of the other things I want to encourage you. Uh, if you do not have our Breeze app uh, for the church, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, the Breeze app uh, is, is nice and simple. It gives you the church directory in, your, in the palm of your hand. You can update your own profile, your own picture, your own phone numbers and addresses and emails and all that stuff, and, and it's instant. And so uh, that way the whole church can have it. Uh, also, uh, if you, so if you don't have it, it's real easy to do. If you, if you have the digital bulletin and you scroll all the way down to where it says resources, click on that and there's a link. The only thing we need to have in our system before you do that is your email. Uh, because if it doesn't find your email, it's not going to be able to send you a, a link to be able to, to create your own login and password. And so it's a great tool uh, to know also what uh, is happening on the church calendar uh, and the like. So we encourage you to, uh, to take uh, a part and, and get the Breeze app. Uh, something for parents here this morning. Uh, we are going to be doing a special Christmas program with the children on uh, December 5th. And the, the children are beginning uh, their process of, of preparing for that. It's going to be an exciting time. But parents, we want to remind you and encourage you to be practicing with your kids. But it's also important that you bring your kids each Sunday so that they can be a part of the, the, the practicing that they'll be doing here on Sunday mornings. And so uh, be sure to do that. It's something you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be something special that we've not quite done it in this format before. So I'm excited about it and uh, anxious for you to... Uh, Come and see your kids or your grandkids uh, uh, to be a part of that on December 5th. Um, let's see here. Next steps. Uh, we, we haven't really done next steps class during uh, our time of COVID, but uh, we are uh, doing it on November 10th and the 17th in room 104. And so you can sign up uh, through the digital bulletin or you can go to the check-in desk and there's a computer out there that you can register uh, for next steps. And... Uh, and take, uh, take care of that. Let me see if there's anything else here. I think that's all of our announcements. Amen. Announcements are over. <laughs> Nobody really likes announcements, but they're a necessity. So, um, but as we continue to, to, to pray uh, and go into our time of worship, if you are able, uh, won't you stand with me out of honor to our Lord as we go to him in prayer. Our Lord and our God, I, I just thank you that there is joy in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, that we are here to worship you, to praise you, and to thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want uh, all honor and praise to be given uh, to you and, and your son. And, Lord, we also don't want to forget the Holy Spirit that you've given to us, uh, that, that, that you reside within us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we, uh, we ask that you continue to be with us in our worship, that that, um, that you would be in the message, that you would be in the songs, that, that the scripture would resonate with us, and Lord, we would put that, those words of truth into our own hearts and lives and, and, and just make it a, a part of, uh, of a regular route of experiencing your truth. And Lord, I, I just thank you for this church family. Uh, I thank you for how you have brought us together in unity and you have seen us through, through ups and downs and, and all the trials that, that, that many of us go through. You have been faithful. And so, Lord, for that we are, are, are grateful. And, uh, Lord, I, each week we lift up uh, special families in our congregation. And, and this week I want to lift up Ken Fitzhugh and Bob Floyd and, and uh, the, the Fouché family. And, Lord, we just ask 
that you would bless those families uh, extra especially this, this day and this week. Lord, we thank you that uh, they have made this their church home. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would meet them at their point of need. Uh, Lord, that we don't need to uh, dress ourselves up to come before you. You accept us where we're at. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that for those families. I also want to bring to you Aurora Christian and her parents. And uh, Aurora has some, some health issues that they're trying to figure out, Lord, and, uh, and, and aren't able to, to, to do that. So, Lord, we pray that uh, the, the doctors and those that are going to be involved in some of her assessment and testing, Lord, that, that they would be able to, to get to the root of those issues uh, so that healing can come. And that, Lord, we would be able to testify to your healing power in our lives. Lord, you still he do healings today, not just uh, when Jesus was here on earth. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who heals. Give uh, parents uh, of Aurora uh, encouragement uh, and give them wisdom as they, as they navigate uh, this time in their lives. We thank you for their faithfulness and trust in you. I also want to thank you for Danny Lopez and uh, his uh, missionary efforts in Guatemala. And Lord, I, I know that when he had COVID, uh, that it, it really hit him hard. And Lord, I know that he's still, uh, still struggling with some health issues, but Lord, your ministry is strong. And so Lord, I just pray that you would continue to pro provide for Danny and his family and, and the congregations that he ministers to. Uh, Lord, may, may your Holy Spirit uh, permeate uh, those communities and those congregations so that more will come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with us as we worship you in song, uh, in word, and in truth. And Lord, we shout out in praise. Amen. 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 Thank you. great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. I sing, Who could imagine? Who could imagine? So great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. I am forgiven. Okay. 
Just our voices to sing hallelujah. Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for 
before you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
until he returns till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i'll stand here in the power of christ we stand lord we just stand in your presence this morning we thank you for who you are we thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing in this moment. Lord, we gather and we stand in your power today. We sing your song. So Lord, right now in this moment, would you open our eyes to you? Would you turn our focus and our attention and our affection to you? God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this church and what you're going to continue to do. We lift you up today, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. These words, those words that Alan just read are part of Jesus' parting words to his friends. Almost the last third of every gospel is Jesus preparing to go to the cross, Jesus preparing to leave his friends, and Jesus preparing to leave these men, his disciples, with a message in preparation of him preparing to leave. As he's doing this, he recognizes and they recognize and they know that they have spent three years together. Jesus has been, spent three years teaching them. They have spent three years together learning from one another. They have spent Three close years together serving alongside one another, living together, doing life together, breaking bread together. Jesus himself, as he would train them, he would send them out and that they would come back 
and they would share with Jesus their successes and their failures. Three years building relationships, forged by a life on mission together. Jesus is speaking to people who he was very close with and greatly loved. These words were given to people whom he had deep relationships with. And now he's leaving. He's leaving them and he's preparing them for his departure. And I want you to see what he calls them. He calls them friends. Have you ever been called friend? There are few things in this world that I like being called more than friend. Maybe dad, daddy. But to be called a friend is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. There are few things greater than to be called friend. And unfortunately, less and less people are calling each other friend. Less and less people, especially in our country right now, have friends. Many Americans have virtually no close friends. 49% of people in our neighborhoods, people in our country, have three or fewer people they would call close friends. 12%, that's more than one in 10. Maybe one in 10 in this room have no buddy to call friend, according to them. This has been a decline since the 1990s, since they've kind of been studying this. In 1990, only 27% said they had three or fewer close friends. Hey, at least they had one or more close friends. So a third, a majority of people in our country said they had more than three close friends. A more than a third of people in our country said they had 10 or more close friends in the early 90s. And only 3% said they had none. And I think we all know this is true. People with friends... <laughs> have a more satisfying life. We don't really probably need a study to tell us that. The study does, if you read it. But we know this to be true. Jesus here in John 13 and 15, he's talking to 12 close friends, 12 men, and what he tells them is that you're going to go and bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. So what does it look like to bear fruit in our culture? He calls them friends and he's asking them, to bear fruit as he has bared fruit. I guess bore fruit is bared a word. Um, and here's what I think it looks like. I think it looks like for us to be a good friend. Right now in our time and in our culture, I think people need a friend. 
They need friendship. They need companionship. So what is friendship? What is friendship? According to Wikipedia, which has to be right, it's peer-reviewed, kind of. This is a little bit of me putting it together. Wikipedia articles are usually much longer than this. Friendship is a relationship of mutual affection between people who have chosen to support each other. So there are a few things to this. It's a friendship is a mutual affection to people who have chosen to support each other. So it's not like family. Right? Your family just is. You don't get to pick your family. You don't get to choose your family, but you get to choose your friends. And so you get to choose people that you love. You get to choose people that you want to be around. You get to choose people to give your lives to. And so what we see in the Gospels when we see people follow Jesus and we see Jesus call people to come following him, follow him, there is a choosing that is going on here and there's a love that exists within that choosing and that them being together. Now most of you here this morning know this. If you don't, I'm very sorry for you being here this morning. But this is my last Sunday. <laughs> And in our movement and our denomination and the way that we uh, work is that our congregations get to choose their pastors. And your pastors get to choose you. And so there is kind of a mutual choosing that goes on. And I just want to let you know that I am thankful that you chose me. I am thankful for that. I am so grateful for that. And I hope that you have felt affection from me. I hope that some of you are glad that I chose you. Because you could get denied by your next pastor. <laughs> Did you know that? Like they could come, they could candidate, like they could preach and all this stuff. You could vote them in. They said, no, that could happen. <laughs> could. It won't. But could. <laughs> I, I tell you that. Simply because you have been affectionate towards me. You have shown me love. And I hope, I hope that you will love the next person as much as you have loved me. I hope that you will treat them as a friend. Your pastor should be your friend. But more than that, I think we need to answer this question as who should be our friend. Who should be a friend? I already told you your pastor should be treated as a friend. But let me make it clear here, because I think this is very important for us, especially in an atmosphere where we are trying to divide over everything, um, including in and outside of the church, that those in the church should be your friend. You should be friends with people in your church. In John 15, Jesus is making it clear that we should be friends with people in our church. He's saying that you, you as disciples, followers of Jesus, should be friends. Friends love one another. And in John 13, we are told that people will know that you follow him if you have love for one another. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them that if you are my followers, people will know you are my followers not by all the doctrinal positions we hold, although that can be a very important thing. Not by all the things that we necessarily do or they see you doing without in the community, although that is a very important thing. But whether or not you love one another, that is 
what Jesus tells them. This is how people are going to know you. They're going to know, like, oh, you're the people who love one another. You're the people who care about one another. You're the people who support one another. Not only does he say that those outside of the church will see that and recognize that, but Jesus also commands it. Like, it's a command in chapter 15. He actually says that those of you, if you're, you're truly my friend, if you're truly my father, you will love one another. You have to. And this is one of the reasons, by the way, I have tried to make groups so important in our church. This is why we talk about it all the time. It's not because I need to be able to go and talk to all the pastor friends. Yeah, we have like 20 groups, 10 groups, whatever, like 15, 30, whatever it might be. It's because I believe being friends with people in the church, walking alongside of people in the church, knowing people in the church, loving people in the church is actually what God commands us to do. We are made to worship, so we're made to be here on Sunday morning. I could give you examples of that. I'm not going to from Scripture. We're made to hear the Word of God. We're made to learn from the Scriptures. It's very important for all of us. But we obey God through our interaction with the people of God. It's how we know if we're obeying Him. So we should be friends with people in the church, but... Jesus goes beyond that. We don't necessarily see it in this text directly, kind of indirectly here. We should be friends with people not in the church. We should be friends with people outside of the church. We should be friends with people who do not follow Jesus Christ. Jesus became friends with the most unlikely people of his time. And this is one of the things that gave him trouble. They got him in trouble. And Luke, I put this in the notes. I don't think it was in your notes, but I throw it on the screen here. In Luke 7, 34, we're told this about Jesus when we're thinking about who should be our friend. Well, people were accusing Jesus of this, of being a glutton and a drunkard. But then they go on to say he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So the people that Jesus were friends with actually got him in trouble. It's one of the things that got him sent to the cross. So this means that Jesus was pretty much friends with any type of person. We see him a friend to the lowest to the weakest, the most defective, and despised people of his time. And Jesus, a perfect man, God in the flesh, died for all men and women, none of him which were like him. This is the kind of person Jesus was. And this is actually the kind of person that Jesus commands us to be. So the next big question we all need to ask is this. How can we be a friend? How can we be a friend? Three points and I'm done. Every good sermon has to have three points. It's my last sermon here. So three points, not four, not two, three. Four would be too long, two would be too short. How can we be a friend? First. Show hospitality. Show hospitality. Now, in the scriptures, hospitality is commanded. Peter commands it. It's also seen as a gift. 
Let me remind you, Peter commands it. So even if you don't have the gift, you're supposed to show hospitality. Peter tells people to show hospitality without grumbling. Now, I can't promise that Emily and I have always showed hospitality without grumbling. Because <laughs> sometimes the house needs clean. So sometimes there's a little bit of grumbling. But at least we were going to try to get that first part right. Because we figure if we get the first part right, maybe we'll grumble a little less. If it becomes part of our lifestyle. So the question is, is what is hospitality? Hospitality, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and pretty much every other culture throughout history, especially ancient culture, meant love and kindness towards the stranger. It does not mean love and kindness towards the people that we know. It means love and kindness towards the stranger. Friends, do you realize, are strangers until they're not. Friends are people who were strangers until they're not strangers anymore. All of you were strangers at one point to me. (laughs) Until you weren't. I didn't know anybody that lived here. People outside of the church were strangers to me if I didn't see them here. And I hope I have done my best to make strangers friends. Some of them are here today. I just want to thank you for being here. If you're new here, I hope that you will make these people your friends. I am thankful that they've been my friends. Friends, when you see new people here, make them your friends. Show hospitality. Be kind to them. Invite them in. Jesus made strangers his friends. And if you think this world is, or that this world needs Jesus, this world needs you to show them hospitality. Not just the people you know, it's not even real hospitality, but the people you don't. This quote here beside me, I've been thinking about this a lot when I was working on this. I feel like the Lord kind of told me this because we're all obviously in a really weird cultural moment right now. Um, And I really believe that hospitality, making friends with strangers, may be the greatest action that will turn this increasingly hostile world around. I believe that. I, I think that is true. And here's the crazy thing about it. Like if we want this place, this world, our country to be a more loving and to be a more kind place. I believe that we are commanded to do this for this reason. Like, this is something that we have to do as followers of Jesus, is to show hospitality. So how can we be friends? The first is to show hospitality. The second is this. We accept their limitations. We accept people's limitations. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment being Jesus. Not one of us are, but imagine this. Jesus is the most perfect person to walk the history or to walk the planet and the history of the world. 
He's the most intelligent person in the room. He's the most righteous person in the room. He's the kindest person in the room. Probably where he goes at this point in time, during most of his ministry, during a good part of his ministry, because he was a good teacher, because he had these qualities and so forth. He's the most popular person in the room. He's the most spiritually attuned person in the room. Jesus was even known for knowing what people were thinking. Now let me ask you this. Who would want to be your friend if they knew what you were thinking all the time? Uh, yeah. And Jesus chose to have friends. He chose to spend time with people. He spent time with selfish, ignorant, immoral people. Jesus did that. He's a single man. I can imagine some of the guys coming back after maybe Jesus sent them out or sitting around the fire and eating. And one of the guys starts complaining about his wife and kids to a single man. Jesus, who had virtually not a dime to his name, I can imagine some of the men sitting around worried about their 401k, worried about their finances, worried about whether or not they would have enough to eat or be provided for. Jesus taught these men over and over again. He taught the crowds. And if you read, like, they didn't get it half the time. Even when Jesus broke it down sometimes for them. They didn't understand. These are the type of people that Jesus calls friends. More than that, he chose to lay his life down for them. He lived with them. And then he died for them. Jesus loved limited human beings. The point of Jesus saying, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down for his friends, is this. It's that it is impossible for someone to love and for their friendship to go further than that. He takes it to the furthest possible point. And he, divide, he, he, he denied many comforts to be a friend. So to be a friend takes a tremendous amount of grace as we accept people's limitations. Every person in this room right now has limitations. Many of them you were born with, you're wired with. I mean, I know your mom told you the greatest thing ever for a really long time. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, serious. And, and you, you, you could probably do more than what you think you can do. But a lot of us have a lot of traits, a lot of ticks. We have fears, we have hurts, we have things that have gone on in our lives, personality traits, all those sorts of things that limit our ability to be a good friend and the person that we should be at all times. Every person in this room, that is true about. 
But a friend is someone who knows your limitations and loves you anyways. They are the type of person who, when they hear you say or do something that may make you cringe or perhaps <laughs> even uh, grow very uncomfortable, they are the people that are able to respond with grace. Friends don't just love somebody when they're right. They love somebody when they're wrong. Friends just don't love you for what you can do, but for what you can't do or haven't done. Now, I've said a lot of things from this pulpit. I've done a lot of things over the past eight or so years. I've said things in conversation. There are things about my leadership probably that have been less than stellar. I will be the first to admit, not everything that I have done has been great, good, or even gospel truth. Yet, through it all, I have felt loved by you. I have received grace. And I hope I've given grace to each one of you. So thank you for accepting my limitations. And I hope that you will continue to accept each other's and give each other grace. Last point here I want to make. That we see in this text, it's more friendship than this but we see it here in the text, is that we don't cast them off. We don't cast friends off. Verse 16, Jesus tells these men this. He said, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. These words here, we don't cast them off. I'm not trying to project anything onto you or anybody else. Here, these words are from J.C. Ryle, a commentator, and um, he's Calvinist. I'm not. That's fine if you are. <laughs> but he brings this up that Jesus is talking about his election here. And he obviously, if you're into theology, believes in specific election. Now, I believe in general election that all through Christ, Christ has chosen us all to come and follow him and to obey God and be saved through Jesus Christ wherever you fall on that, it doesn't really matter here. The point is this, is that Jesus is not giving up on you. Jesus is telling these men that he is not giving up on them. He chose them. I was talking to Sean Reed about this text and just said, hey, I think I want to preach from this. And he said, you know what, those men had to think like Jesus, Jesus was abandoning them or something. And it had to be thinking about that, right? I mean, they had to be thinking for a minute, like, is this guy, what, wait a second. Because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they thought that they were going to sit on the throne next to, next to Christ. That he was going to rule and reign and Israel was going to be this great country. And it was going to be kind of shepherded in by this Messiah figure here. And, and they were kind of following. So they thought that was going to happen. And like, well, wait a second, is he giving up? Where's he going? What's he going to be doing here? So is he abandoning them and See, what's going through their heads? Do they need to ditch him? Is he ditching us? 
in a way, many people are our friends because they're useful to us in any particular moment. Once they're no longer useful, they cease to be our friend. That takes place. We seek it, or we see it about to happen in the Gospels here. When Jesus is up on the cross, three people come to Peter. Peter believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They asked Peter, do you, do you know him? Three times. Peter said, no, I don't, I don't, that guy, no. I don't know him. Peter denied him. This verse, maybe in the Proverbs, had to kind of go through his head here. Peter was a good Jew. He had spent time with Jesus. And it says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Really, this is both about brotherhood and friendship here. And Peter is not sticking around Jesus here at this time of adversity. Peter does not want to be a part of that. And so Peter fails right here to be a friend and a brother. And when it looked like Jeter, Jesus had set, failed here, Peter bails on him. And we can all understand this. I mean, we've all done this from time to time. So what changed Peter's mind? Well, the resurrection changes Peter's mind. A few days later, Peter is able to see that God had a plan through it all. That God was not unprepared, that God did not know what he was doing, that God still had something for Peter and that Jesus was not abandoning him. God had not abandoned him at all. God had a plan in the midst of it all. Back when I had hair, I used to go and get my hair cut at the pastor's house. His wife would cut hair and uh, his wife was the Sunday school teacher who loved to teach Sunday school, loved to teach the Bible, and had like all of these object lessons. And uh, so anytime she could, she would. I mean, this is just kind of, this is just who she was. So I'd go over there and I'd get my hair cut, and I got a Bible lesson every time uh, from her. I, like I'm in seminary, but she's teaching me the Bible and all these sorts of things, which she should have been because she had studied it a lot more than I had, and so she's cutting my hair, and all of a sudden, she bends down in front of me, and she gets about this far from my face, and she puts her hand up like this, and she goes, Josh, this is how God has taught me to hold people, because we do not know what he is doing or where he is calling them. Okay, glad you brushed your teeth. Uh, uh, but no, but it was really raw for her. I mean, it was, they had spent almost 25 years in ministry. They had seen people come and go in and out of the church or to new places and from new places. More than that, her son and her daughter-in-law just decided that they were going to go be missionaries to Germany right after they had just had her granddaughter. And so that was real for her. 
And there is freedom in this kind of friendship. There's freedom in that. I remember I had to learn that kind of the hard way. A couple years into our ministry here, this crazy couple showed up. And uh, we invited them to our small group, and they started coming to our small group. And through that, we became really good friends with Sean and Angela. And during that time, we had some friends, but we didn't have a a lot of close friends. Uh, We didn't have uh, a lot of people that we were calling up to to go out with on Friday night or Saturday night, or even really people who wanted to do that, to be honest with us, at that point in time. And so... They were it. I mean, we baptized them right there, and then they told us they were moving to California. (laughs) Wait a second. Are you serious? But we helped them pack. You better believe we helped them unpack when they moved back. (laughs) Through it all. Because of this object lesson, remembering this, I didn't feel abandoned. Didn't. I know what God was doing. Didn't know what he was up to. Didn't know what he was going to do in their lives. But I was going to support them. I was going to love them. I was going to cheer them on. Here's my point in all of this, is I know that our leaving kind of feels kind of sudden. I mean, we've been here for eight years, but we just came off sabbatical, all those sorts of things, right? The church is wonderful. Like, I believe that. Like, there's, 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 I'm not mad at anybody. Like, I really love this place. I love you. And I just hope you don't feel abandoned. I don't want you to feel that way. I love you. So this is the last thing I'm going to say about all of this. Is that our ability, thinking about the church here, our ability to be and make friends is a test for the church. Our ability to be and make friends is a test for the church. And this test will only be passed If Jesus is our friend above all others. Jesus reminds us that he has chosen us and he loves us. Jesus loves you and he wants you to love others just as he has loved you. Jesus shows hospitality to the stranger. He invites you in to his life and to his family. And he dies for you in spite of your limitations. And Jesus will not cast you off. That is our model. Jesus Christ is our model and he is our strength to be a good friend. And I say this, that this is not just a test only because the world needs you to do this. Just as I said earlier, it does. The world needs you to be a good friend. You need to be a good friend for yourself. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be reminded that Jesus commands you to be a friend. 
If you're here this morning, and if Jesus is not your friend, he wants to be your friend. And I hope you will make him your friend. And I want to thank every single one of you, except for the new people, because I don't know you. Um, I'm glad you're here, though. really am. But I want to thank every one of you for being my friend through the years. And my wife's friend? friends to my kids. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't been looking forward to this day, to be honest. And uh, many of us here uh, are excited about this day. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to be soppy and emotional. I will try not to. Uh, Emily, if you could come up as well. And hey, kids, you want to come up here with your parents? Let me go ahead and move this out of the way. Well, Josh, considering your looks, um, y y you and Emily make great-looking kids. Um, <laughs> see, that's how you deliver you. a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take notes. All right, um, on. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are lots of things uh, that could be said. Um, and so I will just try to keep my comments brief. Um, but when, when you came to uh, candidate and you, you got off the plane and, and right away, I think Susan's comment was, I feel good about this. I fell in love with them. Right oh, she fell in love with them right away. Uh, and, um, and you came to us, not just when Susan and I were broken, but our congregation was broken. And you brought us healing because of your faithfulness to God and to being the person that he has called you to be. And so for that, and as a thank you to this congregation, I say thank you for seeing us through a difficult time. And, and I personally appreciate that. Um, means a lot to me. Um, and I know it means a lot to this congregation and some people don't even have a clue to what I'm talking about and that's good. Uh, um, but, but you were faithful, your family was faithful. We've had the privilege of seeing all three of your children born uh, and, and growing up and, and that has brought us joy as well as the congregation. Uh, we've, we've seen you grow and mature uh, in your leadership, uh, one of the things that 
that I knew that First Church needed and didn't quite know how to do it was that I knew the culture of our church needed to change to be able to, to be a church that's going to exist for the next generation because our culture was changing around us. Society was changing. And I knew that our, our church culture needed to change to be able to adapt to that. And, and when you look at young families in the church, it's because of you and your effort to help change the church's culture. Uh, we, we don't believe that any age should be neglected in the, in the church, but you helped revitalize the younger generation. And that is part of the reason why our congregation, uh, along with God's help and guidance to you, uh, that we actually were thriving through COVID, unlike so many congregations that didn't, and so many congregations that closed their doors. Um, the, uh, I think the statistic is, is that the average pastor stays at a church seven years. You've exceeded the average. <laughs> You are above average, all right? Um, and, and just a note to this congregation too. This congregation is exceptional because of the longevity of its pastors. Um, you know, in, in 125 years, what is there, seven, eight pastors uh, that, that have been senior or lead pastors, that's a testament to this congregation that you have done as he's instructed us to continue to do, and you've done it well, is being a friend, showing hospitality, and we need to continue to do that, and you have modeled that for us. And, and I, I, I just thank you, you know, working with you in the office, I get to see you more, get to know those hidden thoughts sometimes that uh, not everybody would want to know. Uh, <laughs> and I've shared some of mine as well. Um, but the, the greatest thing uh, has been your heart, that you have a heart and a passion for sharing Jesus Christ to the strange, I mean the strangers. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and so you have modeled that well for me, and you have encouraged me. I, I'm, I'm an introvert. Most people know that. Um, and you have caused me to reflect more about how verbal I am when it comes to sharing my faith uh, in Jesus Christ with others. You have done that. And Emily, uh, I, I just want to thank you for your sweet presence, uh, the joy that you have brought to this congregation. and. And for your passion in, in, in women's ministry. And, and just thank you for being you. Uh, and so we're not going to continue on. Uh, but one of the things that I, I do want to say is that it has been not just our privilege, but I know on behalf of the congregation, it's our privilege to call you friend. Mm -hmm. And that we do love you. And we are sad. We do hate to see you leave. And, and move on in your ministry, but we also understand that God is going to use you and bless you and your ministry, just as God is going to continue to bless this congregation and the ministry that we have here in Talmadge as we move forward. And so we love you. We, it, it, we're going to have a time of prayer here in a few moments, but we want to encourage all of you 
to stay. We have uh, a lovely little reception set up in the lobby, and we want to uh, continue to celebrate your faithfulness uh, uh, to the Lord and serving here, but also uh, celebrate God's faithfulness to his church. Uh, and so what I'd like for you to do is if you could come down here with your, your, your antsy kids. Mm -hmm. uh, kids, we love you, and we are so glad that you have been a part of our, our church and our church family. Yeah. And uh, what we would like to do is invite any of you, if you would like to come up and uh, put a circle of friendship and love around this, this wonderful family. And we are going to pray, uh, and, uh, and then we are going to dismiss and continue uh, our celebration. Yeah, come on up. Uh, our, our celebration of uh, friendship. Uh, and for those that have come that aren't regular attenders here, thank you so much for coming today and showing your love and support. Uh, I know it's a huge blessing to Josh and Emily, but it, it blesses me to see that, that you have come today. Uh, that is a testament to you, Josh. Uh, you have uh, helped give this church a presence in this community that we haven't had, uh, and so thank you. And so won't you join me as we, we pray our Lord and our God, we give you thanks. We give you many thanks for Josh and for Emily and how you have, have been in their lives and, and, and just the story of how you brought to get them together at camp and, 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 and that Josh was just so overwhelmed that he knew that Emily was going to be his wife even though she was dating someone else. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that, that you were faithful to them both and you have blessed them with three beautiful children that are growing in their faith and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And so, Lord, as, as they move to a new chapter in their life as a family and in their ministry, Lord, I, I can't help but believe and know that you will guide them, that you will lead them, that you will give them the wisdom and the discernment that they need to be able to make those strangers in Indiana friends. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them that any, any, um, any doubts the enemy would, would want to throw their way, Lord, that they would be thwarted and that they would stand on the firm truth of your word and your calling in their life. And so with that, Lord, we are, are prepared to, to, to leave this time of worship and celebration of an awesome God. We want to thank you for what you are, are doing in their lives and what you're going to be doing in ours. And so, Lord, may you be blessed. May you be glorified. In the friendship and fellowship and hospitality that's going to take place in a few moments. Tears may be shed, laughs will be said, but Lord, we, we give all glory and honor to you as you begin a new chapter here at First Church. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for giving him to us so that we could experience forgiveness, grace, mercy, and eternal life in heaven.
It is in his name, and he is the one we worship. And it is his name that all of God's people said, amen, amen. and amen. I, I would like to, um, uh, to all of you help us experience a little bit of the Old Testament right now. I would request that we do a version of the parting of the Red Sea <laughs> over here so that we could have Josh and Emily and, and their kids uh, head on out to the lobby okay. first so that they can be in a place where you can greet them. There is lots of food. There is a, a, a table that is a gift for you, Josh, out there. Uh, you can hate and for the family. And uh, again, may you all go in peace and enjoy this time of fellowship with Pastor Josh and his family. Thank you for being with us. Amen.